If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Getting you ready for the day in sports betting, this is Point Spread Saturday on VSEN, the sports betting network. Welcome back to Point Spread Saturday here on VSEN, hour number two. I'm Mark Zeno. Appreciate you spending your Saturday morning with us as Wild Card Weekend gets underway. A very exciting time. We have some college hoops to get to today. Big time college hoop, especially in the Big 12. We'll do that coming up here in a little more than 15 minutes. Plus, Pam Maldonado of Yahoo Sports will join us to continue the breakdown of Wild Card Weekend. And just a quick look through the games here throughout all of Wild Card Weekend. Then I want to get into some teasing options. And I know that that pro bettors will tell you that certain of these teases are just things you don't do. And I get it and I understand it. But I would argue that certain situations and certain spots it's not bad to take a pizza bet on it. Small little number um, because, again, teases aren't always in your favor, but just some different ways to look at it um, that I think that for for the average better can can find some value. So we'll get to that coming up here in a little bit. But let's start with Cincinnati and the Raiders from Cincinnati. Uh, you know, I just talked about it a moment ago last hour with Ross Tucker. I, I really think the play here – if you're on the Raiders, is to take them on the money line. They win a lot of close games. Uh, you're getting plus 195. I mean, the, the two outcomes that I think are the most likely are Cincinnati to cover or the Raiders to win outright. Like, I, I get it, it makes sense to take the plus five and a half or four and a half if, if it's popping up in those shops wherever you're seeing it. But Cincinnati is probably the more talented team and the more rested team and the healthier team and the, and the less emotionally spent team. But the Raiders have a tendency to hang around. And if they're hanging around, they're probably going to win the thing outright. Uh, so if they're not hanging around, it's because they're getting their doors blown off. And th- there's no way they're going to cover the spread anyway. So I just kind of think the best way to play that, honestly, is the plus 195, the value you're getting nearly 2-1 to one on the, the Las Vegas Raiders as the way to play it. If you back the Raiders, I think the money line is probably the better value play than taking the 5.5 because I have a hard time believing – that Cincinnati is only winning this game by a field goal through a traditional game script where it's back and forth, back and forth. I think if Cincinnati wins this game by a field goal, it's because they were trailing and had to hustle back into the game to tie it up and either kick a late field goal or the game goes into overtime and they kick a field goal and go that way with it. So uh, Raiders money line, probably a way to go. Buffalo and New England. Uh, I'm on the Buffalo Bills. I'm not going to trust Mac Jones, a rookie quarterback, a quarterback over his last six games. uh, is only completing 60% of his passes, averaging 190 yards a game for six touchdowns and five interceptions. And three of those touchdowns came in a 50 to 10 blowout win over Jacksonville. The last time he played Buffalo, he was 14 of 32 for 148 yards and two interceptions. 
Um, he's just hasn't been a good quarterback uh, since that first game where he only threw three passes against Buffalo. In fact, his quarterback rating has only cracked 95 just once, and that was the game against Jacksonville. So he's had struggles down the stretch. I'm going to bet against the rookie quarterback, and I'm going to lay the four and a half in that spot. Tampa Bay and Philadelphia uh, is a big number at eight and a half. Uh, weather could be a factor in this game. They're expecting rain and wind. They're calling for it. But Tampa is always a little bit sketchy when it comes to the weather. Just give it 10 minutes. You'll probably see a different weather picture. I like the Eagles getting eight and a half. I think they walk right through the back door. Much similar to the game that played out earlier in the year between these two teams, where it was a 28-7 lead in the fourth quarter for Tampa Bay. Uh, and even at that, Philadelphia missed a field goal. They scored a late touchdown and got a two-point conversion to bring it within six and cover the seven-point spread. Uh, I think you get a heavy dose of Leonard Fournette. On the injury report this week, make sure he's playing before you place your wager uh, and, and look for the best number you can. But if they can control the pace, uh, Tampa Bay should not lose this game uh, by any stretch of the imagination. They, they held the ball 40 minutes to 20 minutes last time these two teams played. Uh, so it was a two-to-one time of possession advantage in favor of Tampa Bay. They're going to need to run the ball. Philadelphia is going to need to run the ball as well if they have any shot at keeping this game close. Um, however, I'll say this much for Philadelphia. They have the fewest takeaways, I'm sorry, fewest giveaways, rather, of any of the playoff teams. They've only given the ball away 16 times this year, so they don't make a lot of mistakes. Um, now, their turnover differential is zero, which means they don't take it away all that much, but can Tampa Bay capitalize? That's something to, to look at. Again, turnovers aren't predictive, but if you get one, it could sway the game to either being uh, a cover for Tampa Bay or not a cover. Toughest game of the week to handicap, if you ask me. Niners and Cowboys, this is the only matchup of teams that did not meet earlier in the season at least once. Both of these teams very evenly matched. You talk about them statistically, both of them top 10 in total offense, both of them top 10 in defensive points allowed. The statistics nearly mirror each other. Uh, they both give up 21 points a game. Um, they both rush for around 125 yards a game. San Francisco plays a lot of close games uh, and wins them. They play a lot of close, low-scoring games. Uh, and that's something, if you're looking at the total of 51 in this game, that would give me a little bit of pause. Uh, you know, 27-24, maybe. But I would probably lean on the fact that both of these teams would stay under that. It's in San Fran's favor to keep it low-scoring. So if you think, I think it's a correlating bet situation. If you think San Fran wins, you're going under the total here. But that's part of the reason why I look at a first half under 24 and a half as a possible play. I think both these teams will come out slow and conservative and not take too many chances. And the scoring opens up in the second half where uh, if you're an over better, I think you're going to be chasing for the last 30 minutes of this game. Uh, no play on this game for me. Again, I think first half under maybe the one way I go, but I'm not picking a side. I'll sit back and enjoy this game uh, between these two teams and, and uh, remind me of my youth. San Fran and Dallas used to dominate uh, the NFL back in the day. Kansas City and Pittsburgh. Um, this is a spot here where I'm not going to overthink it. Kansas City is the better team. Uh, the Steelers, of all the playoff teams, last in points per game, uh, last in rushing yards per game, and second to last in passing yards per game. They're not in the same class as Kansas City. They don't belong here. I'm going to lay the 12 and a half. I know the back door will be open. I know there's a great chance Kansas City will pull their starters uh, in this in the fourth quarter if they're up big, much similar to the, what they did in the meeting between these two teams earlier in the year, where it was a 36 to 10 final, and I think it was 30 to three at the end of the third quarter. Uh, it wasn't even close. So um, I, I I think the real question here is, can the Steelers get to 20? 
They only scored 16 last week and needed overtime to do it against the most banged up defense in the league in the Baltimore Ravens. And here's a trend for you if you're following. The magic point total for road teams is 17. Teams that come up shy of 17, 2-24 and 24 straight up since 2002. Uh, however, road teams reaching more than 17, 42-12-2 against the spread. For my math, 30 to 17 is the final that gets me the cover. I think that's the most the Steelers are going to be able to score 17 points in this game. And I don't think they're going to stop Kansas City from getting at least a 30 uh, in this number. The Kansas City gets to 35. There's no reason they shouldn't cover this game at all. So I'm not going to overthink it. <clears throat> I'm going to lay the points with Kansas City. Rams in Arizona. Tough one to call. I lean on the Cardinals getting the points. I do like the over. I think it's a short number at 49. Both these teams, uh, both the previous meetings between these two teams got into the 50s. I think they do it again. It's really a question of who do you trust, right? Do you trust Matt Stafford, a guy who's never won a playoff game and has played like dog, you know what, down the stretch? Or do you trust Cliff Kingsbury, who's, I think, an awful in-game coach and a bonehead and has made a lot of bad decisions? I can't trust either one of them when it comes to the side, but I do think points will be scored in this game. And so from that standpoint, uh, I'll probably play the over uh, in this game. I'll wait a little bit closer to kickoff, see if I can get the best number out there. I do want to present one uh, situation where I think it's worthwhile. Teasers are always a risky play. I get it. Uh, and Tampa Bay is a great teasing option at eight and a half to get them through seven and three and get them down to two and a half. Now, a lot of pro betters would tell you that there's not an option to tease them with, which is why nobody's doing it. I do think there's an argument, as I made earlier, for the Kansas City Chiefs, and it's not traditional, and I get it. People would scoff at the notion, but taking them from 12 and a half to six and a half and getting it under a touchdown. Because if you don't believe Kansas City is going to lose the game, and I don't, and you do believe the back door is open for Pittsburgh to walk through, which I said before is a very realistic possibility, especially if Kansas City has a big lead, I don't think the back door is open enough to get it within seven. I think the back door is open enough to get it within two scores, just not one. It's not the smartest play in the world. I fully admit that. But I think it's a viable option if you are if you want to tease Tampa Bay that badly. I think Kansas City taking them down to six and a half. They're clearly a better team uh, as long as they don't make mistakes. Kansas City has the most giveaways of any team in the playoffs. And a lot of that came earlier in the year. They've managed to get that under control late in the season. I think there it's not a terrible play. I, I wouldn't make it a five-star play. I wouldn't make it a best bet. I wouldn't make it my, quote, lock, whatever that means. You know, I wouldn't do any of that. But if you're looking for a teaser option along with Tampa Bay, I don't think Kansas City is an awful play. Taking it down to six and a half. Again, I'll see, I can see how Pittsburgh can walk through a 12 and a half backdoor. But if Pittsburgh is within one score in this game, it has gone horribly wrong for Kansas City. Like to the point where they could lose the game. And if that's you have real concerns about Kansas City being able to. Uh, go out and win a Super Bowl because they're struggling with a team where the own quarterback said, yeah, we don't even belong here. Pittsburgh can't score. Um, they just don't, they just can't. Like, they're not an offense. If you look at them, two times in the last seven games, they scored over 20 points. One of them was against Minnesota where they were down 29 nothing in the third quarter, and all the points were garbage time points. The other time was when they scored 26 against Cleveland in Ben Roethlisberger's last home game, an extremely emotional game. And their defense aided them with some turnovers that put them in, in, in very uh, fortunate situations to score. Other than that, you're looking at 10, 20, 19, 10, 16. This is an offense that cannot score. So I go back to the point where I don't think it's a terrible idea to tease Kansas City down to 6.5 just simply based off of the fact that I do not trust the Steelers to get past 17 in this game. Um, and, and if that's the case, then – 
all you have, all you're asking Kansas City to do is get to 27, and they can do that. They easily can do that. So if you're looking for that teaser option with Tampa Bay, I would say Kansas City is the best one. You know, I know some people who said, oh, maybe if the the the, the uh, New England Patriots at four and a half, you tease them through seven and ten to get them to ten and a half. Uh, I think you're stretching there at that point. You know, it's just not a, not a situation where uh, it makes a ton of sense. So I, I wouldn't go that road. But ta- Tampa Bay and Kansas City, not a bad teaser option. All right, coming up next, hit the hardwood in college with some major plays in the Big 12 today. That's coming up next here on Point Spread Saturday on Beeson, the Sports Betting Network. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is Point Spread Saturday on VSEN, the sports betting network. Beeson has a great new offer to help make this your best betting year ever. Our all-new big game, Big Dance Special, provides Beeson Plus all access to everything we do from now through April 5th for only $69. Sign up now and get our daily best bets emails, 24-7 video access, the upcoming big game and college hoops betting guides, plus full access to Beeson.com with our exclusive betting split breakdowns on every game. It's one of the most exciting betting seasons of the year, so don't miss out on one of the best deals of the year. Visit beaston.com slash big deal to sign up today. Welcome back in to Point Spread Saturday. I'm Mark Zinno. Appreciate you spending the Saturday of Wildcard Weekend with me right here on VSIN. Uh, we'll talk to Pam Maldonado, Pam Maldonado, excuse me, of Yahoo Sports coming up here in a little more than 15 minutes. And we'll wrap things up before uh, the end of the 10 a.m. hour in Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific uh, with our plays for the day. Uh, but I want to switch right here today to some college hoops because a huge slate in college hoops today, particularly in the Big 12, uh, where there is a lot of teams who are ranked Big 12 basketball sort of dominating this year. And it's not just Kansas uh, for that matter. But the number one team in the nation 
in action today. Baylor uh, taking on Oklahoma State. Uh, the line, a huge number. It's up to 14 now, last I saw, with a total of 142. Um, Oklahoma State is in the middle of a really tough run right now. They've lost six of their last eight. They lost to Texas Tech their last game out. They've got a game against Baylor uh, and Texas coming up, both ranked teams. And then they go on the road, uh, both those games on the road, and they have a home game with Iowa State, who is also ranked, uh, coming up as well. Uh, Oklahoma State has beaten one ranked opponent this year. They're one and three in ranked games. It was was Texas, a sort of surprising win. Uh, but they're one and three in those games and have only averaged 61 points per game. Baylor is 17th in America in field goal percentage and top 50 in the nation in three-point percentage. Uh, this is a spot where you're, I think the, the 13 and a half, 14, depending on what number that you get, way too rich for my blood. Uh, I, I Again, I trust Baylor immensely. It's just a really big number uh, for me to lay. So I'm not going to put a play on this game. But if you put a gun to my head, you're in it some sort of pick em league, I would lay with Baylor. I just don't think Oklahoma State is the offense at this point in time to keep up. I would look at possibly a first-half play on Baylor. If you can find a, a line out there, take Baylor in the first half. They'll likely sprint out to a big lead, uh, and then they'll let their foot off the gas pedal in the second half, similar to what Kansas has done a lot this year. Kansas has been a great team, a great first-half bet if you find those, those lines that are out there. Uh, but that's the way I would look to play it because I think the back door could be open at 13.5 or 14. Uh, for the Baylor Bears. Uh, one of my big plays today is the next game between Texas Tech and K-State. Uh, Texas Tech laying four or three and a half in certain spots. The Red Raiders are a really well-coached team. Uh, Kansas State 0-4 in the conference. Um, they're averaging just 62 points per game in conference play and shooting just 38% from the field in their conference matchups. K-State Predicted to be one of the worst teams in the Big 12 this year. Picked to finish ninth out of 10 teams in the preseason polls. Texas Tech, one of the top field goal percentage defense teams in America. Just a very suffocating, staunch defense. For me, that's enough at this short number. And I continue to think that Texas Tech gets a little bit undervalued offensively. Uh, and again, they played Oklahoma State in their last time out. And the game script flowed exactly how I expect it to do. Uh, I'm going to lay the four and a half here. Uh, and that, the number is actually dropping for some reason, which is a little bit, uh, you know, I, I guess um, uh, alarming um, that I saw it at three and a half on one sports book this morning. But I, I'm not going to be scared off. Texas Tech is the better team here. It's the defense and the rebounding for the Red Raiders for me that really sells me on the way this team is uh, and how they're playing as of late. And as I mentioned, you know, it, it's an interesting situation because Chris Beard used to coach Texas Tech, and he departed for Texas. Uh, and and it's one of those things where usually the guy coming in after a coach like Chris Beard doesn't have that same level of, you know, chutzpah to coach his team. Mark Adams, who took over for him, has done a phenomenal job. Um, and this team, from a defensive standpoint, it's it, it, the games are ugly to watch, but it's impressive to watch how good they are. Uh, on the defensive side. So uh, they only give up 58 points per game, and I'm not sure how K-State's offense uh, breaks 60 in this spot. Confident, more than confident, Texas Tech can get to 65. Uh, next game in the Big 12 that I'll look at, uh, again, another interesting game, Texas taking on Iowa State University. Um, these are two evenly matched teams. They both score 70, 70 points per game. Uh, they're even shooting teams. 
46% shooting from the field for Texas, 45% shooting from the field for Iowa State. Slight edge in rebounding to Iowa State, 34 rebounds per game, 235, but they both get three blocks per game. They both get nine steals per game. UT has a little bit of a better defense, giving up 53 points per game compared to 58 for Iowa State. But again, both these teams, very, very good on the defensive end, and both allow just a 39% uh, from the field from their opponents. So they're good defensively as well. Um, the one common game they've played so far, they both played Oklahoma. ISU lost to Oklahoma. Texas beat Oklahoma. So, and oddsmakers are expecting this to be a defensive battle uh, when you look at the total at 120 and a half. Now, one thing I think when I look at this game, because that total is so small, uh, it's a very short number uh, from this, a very low number rather, uh, I like the over. It seems contrarian, but again, I said both these teams average 70 points per game. They both give up, and let's just, for argument's sake, say in the mid-50s. Both teams got to get to 60, and that's it for this number to hit. I believe that that's, that can happen. If, if this game stays in the 50s, it is one of the worst and ugliest basketball games that you've watched in quite some time. One other thing I think that pushes this game over, Texas is one of the best free-throw shooting teams in the nation. They average 77%. It's that sort of thing that makes the difference in a total when they go three or four on average from the free throw line or, you know, uh, eight of 12 or whatever it may be. Um, you know, it's th those kind of numbers right there that make the difference in the total. And I do believe both these teams are going to get into the 60s. Uh, it's, a, it's a short number at minus two for Texas. I don't know if I'd lay it on the road, but. I do believe both these teams can get into the 60s. I believe that's a little bit of a depressed total at 120 and a half, 121, depending on whatever you're seeing. Uh, but still, this, this 65, 63 final wouldn't be out of reach. Well, I don't think both teams will get in the 70s. Uh, that would be rather surprising just given the way these teams play. I do think they both get into the 60s. Uh, again, a very depressed total at 120, 121. Uh, so I'm going to play the over here, a little bit of a contrarian over with Texas and Iowa State. But should be a fun matchup to watch between both of these teams. Let's switch out of the Big 12 and get into one of the prime SEC matchups of the day between Tennessee and Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky laying five and a half, total of about 142 and a half. Tennessee is a battle-tested team. All of their losses have been to ranked teams. They're two and four against ranked opponents this year. Their wins came over UNC and Arizona. In those games against ranked opponents, they're averaging 60 points per game in the losses and 75 overall. So, yes, that speaks to the fact that Kentucky could cover this five-and-a-half number and do it with ease. Kentucky now has only scored less than 80 points in three of their victories this year. They get to 80 easily, and they don't break a sweat doing it. However, Tennessee is one of the best field goal percentage defense teams in America, top 50 in the country at 39%. Conversely, Kentucky, 82 points per game on average. That's 12th in America, shooting nearly 50% from the field at 49.6. That's 11th in America. Uh, all of this for me adds up to a total. I think that both these teams can eclipse both of these teams getting into 70 here. shouldn't be a problem. Now it's hard to hold Kentucky under 80, holding them under 70 is a defensive feat that nobody this season has accomplished yet. So uh, I trust Kentucky to get into the mid to high seventies in this game. Well, they might not get to 80 because of Tennessee's defense. They'll get to the mid to high seventies. And the real question is, is can Tennessee do their part to get to 70? The answer is yes, they will. This probably is like a 78, 72 final. 
uh, is somewhere in that range. If Kentucky gets to 80, there's a real good chance they're going to cover that five and a half. Uh, but it's just a question of how much Tennessee's defense can hold out because Kentucky keeps coming at you. They keep coming at you and they come at you a lot. Um, and it's, it will be one of those things where Kentucky may be in a close game, but pulls away late uh, from a game script standpoint. And so uh, I'm not really getting a great feel for the side on this one. But I do think the total at 142, asking both these teams to get to 71 to me, seems very feasible, uh, especially Kentucky doing their part to pull a little bit more. If Even if they don't get to 80, but get in the high 70s, all Tennessee has to do is get to 65. And if you're looking at a total where it's 75, 65 in that range, you're where you need to be um, as far as getting the total to come over. So, again, place for the day for me, K-State minus 4.5. I'm going to play a contrarian over Texas and Iowa State over 121, and uh, I'll play the over 142 uh, and a half between Tennessee and Kentucky. Some other really good SEC games today. Just some notes, LSU and Arkansas. Uh, I'll lean on LSU in that spot as well. Uh, one of the more underrated teams in the nation, the LSU Tigers, they just keep racking up wins. Uh, they play great defense, and they score a lot. So that'll do it for the college basketball slate. When we come back, Pam Maldonado of Yahoo Sports will join us. Continue our run through Wild Card Weekend and more coming up next here on Point Spread, Point Spread Saturday on VEASAN, the sports betting game. This is Point Spread Saturday on VEASAN, the sports betting network. We have a new prop tracker now available at VEASAN.com for you to keep up with key NFL props. Head to VEASAN.com to get current odds as well as the movement each week to follow the trends and find the best value. Track the odds for MVP, head coach, rookie of the year, and more. Check out the prop track, betting splits, key trends, and matchup data for every game now at VEASAN.com slash NFL. Welcome back to Point Spread Saturday. I'm Mark Zeno. Quick shout out to our viewers in Des Moines, Iowa, who have braved 14 inches of snow. We love you guys. We appreciate you watching and listening here every week. On VSIN. Let's welcome in our next guest from Yahoo Sports. Uh, one of the best handicappers I found out there. Big fan of her work. Pam Maldonado joins the show here on Point Spread Saturday. Good morning, Pam, and welcome. Hi, thanks for having me today. All right, let's start with the wild card games here on Saturday Raiders and Bengals. You know, I, I don't know how much I trust either one of these teams. I think the Raiders coming off a very emotional spot could be set up for a letdown going outdoors into the cold. I'm not a huge fan of Zach Taylor and his game management, so I have a little bit of pause there. But I do think that if you like the Raiders, the value on the money line, it probably is the play. I have a hard time seeing the game script play out where uh, the, the Bengals only win by a field goal. I think if that's the case, it's because they were trailing early and had to come back and kick a late field goal at the end of the game or in overtime. The Raiders seem to win a lot, a lot of close games, and if it's close, I like them to win it. So I would play the money line if I'm going to back the Raiders. How do you see it? I'm more conservative, so I would still take the points at plus five and a half. This is the NFL after all, and I know that if you have if you're taking a dog of like less than its score, then you should be taking the money line. A hundred percent in college football because that's my strength. But in the NFL, I will always take the points and feel comfortable with that. But I am back, uh, back in the Bengals here. I'm sorry, the Raiders here. You, you have Joe Burrow, who is still the third most sacked quarterback in the NFL. And Cincinnati has allowed four and a half sacks plus turnovers per game. That is 28th in the league. That's going to be the huge matchup here. And now you have defensive ends in Yannick Ngaku and Max Crosby. Combined 18 sacks. That's the matchup that I'm watching. I love the Raiders in this spot. You're talking about a letdown spot. I actually think that's to their benefit 
while Joe Mixon, Joe Burrow, you have Tyler Boyd, all these players were sat in week 18. You have the Raiders who are coming into into this with rhythm because they did have that hard fought game last uh, in week 18 against the Chargers. The only thing I would counter with that, which scares me, and again, turnovers aren't predictive, but you're looking at a Raiders team that's minus nine in turnover differential um, that has problems taking care of the ball on the road. It just gives me a little bit of pause uh, that a turnover could actually sway whether it's a cover or not in this game. No, absolutely. But that's with every game. You have some similar situation in the Rams. You have a similar situation in Tom Brady and the Bucks. He's at home, but he still throws interceptions. So it's just that comes to the game of taking any side, whether it's a favorite or an underdog, a turnover. It doesn't have to be an interception. It can be a fumble. And, you know, the ball bounces a little weird. So you have to get a little lucky with those turnovers. And the ones who turn over the ball less is the one most likely to win. But I still like the Raiders in this spot. I'm buying what they're selling. The Raiders are really, they have Darren Waller in the tight end. And we know that the Bengals are susceptible to tight ends this season They're they allowed Darren Waller in that first game he had 116 yards seven catches similar could happen again this time around and in that first matchup it was definitely so close to the whole off the field situations that the that the Raiders were experiencing that's not the case this time they're focused right now I, I love the Raiders and you're talking about taking the money line you could do an alternative line also backing them at plus three at plus 120 you're still getting plus money value and for it to be closer than the five and a half yeah, and I'll add one thing about that first matchup. Again, the final score looked like it was a blowout at 32 to 13. Not the case. The Raiders had a 16-13 lead in the fourth quarter. Cincinnati mm-hmm. took a 22 to 16 lead. And then it followed with Raiders interception, Bengals touchdown, Raiders fumble, Bengals field goal, and made that game look a lot further apart than it actually was. So exactly. I, I, I certainly agree with the Raiders being the side of this thing going forward. All right, Buffalo and New England. Uh, for me, Pam, the handicap is simple. I'm not going to trust Mac Jones on the road in the playoffs against the Bills team. That's 10 and three in their last 13 home playoff games. But I just look at Mac Jones as a tale of two seasons during that seven game winning streak. The first six games of that winning streak, Mac Jones completed 69% of his passes for nine touchdowns and two picks starting in that Buffalo game where he only threw three passes. He went to 60% completion percentage, 190 yards, six touchdowns, five interceptions, and three of those six touchdowns came in a blowout win over Jacksonville. He just hasn't been the same quarterback. The last time they played 14 of 32, 145 yards, two picks. I'm not going to bet on a rookie quarterback. I know it's Belichick, and I think some of that is actually baked into the line because I have a hard time believing this was a neutral site game, that Buffalo is only a a one-and-a-half-point favorite. I think they're probably closer to two-and-a-half or three. Um, So I think there's a little bit of Belichick baked in the line, but I'm just not going to bet on a rookie quarterback. I'll lay the four-and-a-half with Buffalo. Um, I don't entirely disagree, which is why I'm looking to the total instead. I see a lot of people taking the over, and it could be, I mean, regardless of the weather, you're going to have, it's going to be really, really cold, but there's going to be no wind. I'm not even considering weather as a factor. I'm still liking the under on this game because you're talking about Mac Jones and his handicaps as of late, and that's exactly right. His road splits are a huge factor in this. He has six touchdowns, six interceptions away compared to 16 touchdowns and seven interceptions when he's playing at home. So now I have a rookie quarterback. He's going into an unknown situation in the NFL. He's been on the big stage in college, so maybe that doesn't affect him as much. But I think we could also see more of a run game from Buffalo. Quarterback Josh Allen, you know, he's been running a lot as of late. He has 63-plus rushing yards in three straight games. You have running back Devin Singletary, who has 86 rushing yards or more in three of his last six games. And the Patriots, they did give up 117 rushing yards to Miami's Duke Johnson and 170 to the Colts' Jonathan Taylor. So I think potentially we could see more of a ground and pound 
Weather could play a factor because it is cold. I'm not sure. I'm not going to try to guess how players are going to combat that. I just know that we have a quarterback, rookie quarterback in Mac Jones, who's maybe not going to play his best. They're going to try to run the ball against a Buffalo team who is running the ball more as of late. So that makes me like the under on 44. You kind of got me juiced on the Josh Allen rushing yards prop after what you just said. So maybe mm-hmm. possibly. Absolutely. Possibly out there. All right, let's pivot to the rest of Wild Card Weekend here. I'll, I'll just let you take carte blanche here. Of the remaining four games, is there one that you like the most that you, you have handicapped the best that you feel the most confident about? I would say the Eagles plus eight and a half to the Bucks, um, yeah. which is kind of scary going against Super Bowl champion Tom Brady. But when these two teams faced in week six, the Eagles had not yet found their identity. They were still a really pass heavy team in weeks one through six. And it was actually in that game that they converted their style of play from going pass heavy into run heavy. Well, now they've become the number one rushing team and you have a Tampa Bay defense who is still really, really great against the run. They're statistically top five. But they're still not the same team as last year because it's actually they haven't had to be that same defensive team because teams have chosen to just not run the ball against them. So now instead you have a Tampa Bay defense who has given up yardage. They gave up 150 rushing yards to the Jets. They gave up 173 rushing yards to the Bills and 109 came from Josh Allen. Well, what do you think Jalen Hurts does? He's in exactly Josh Allen 2.0. He can run the ball himself. This is the number one rushing team. I think they will have success on the ground. Maybe the Bucks definitely do come out with a win, but I definitely think this is going to be closer than the eight and a half indicates. Um, I like the I, I like the Eagles, and I know that it's an unknown situation because you have Jalen Hurts, who has no experience in this type of matchup. But tell me that the Bucks haven't been looking like quite themselves lately. I mean, losing Godwin has probably been more impactful than people are leading on to. They produced zero points to the Saints. They struggled against the Jets, and it was really competitive there against the Panthers. So I'm not convinced that this is the same Bucks team from last year. The wheels are starting to fall off. Maybe it is still at home, but I still like the plus eight and a half with the Eagles. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm, I'm on the Eagles tomorrow as well. And it's just the Buccaneers aren't healthy. Um, and I think, I mm-hmm. think they'll rely on Leonard Fournette a lot more. Uh, and he, again, he, right now he's a game time decision. He did practice later this week, but <clears throat> excuse me. I still think the Eagles do enough to keep this thing close. Uh, one other game I wanted to ask you about, because to me, it's the toughest game to cap of the weekend. That's the Niners. And Cowboys, Uh, I think these are two very evenly matched teams, both top 10 in total offense, both top 10 in points allowed on defense. Uh, And I still marvel at the coaching matchup between Kyle Shanahan and Dan Quinn, two guys who used to work together in Atlanta, went to a Super Bowl together, now coaching against play calling against each other uh, in this game. The only thing I look at in this game, Pam, you know, because I don't get a real good feel for the side. I think they'll play conservative in the in the first half. I like a first half under. I, I think it'll play tight. I think they'll sort of wait to see what happens. I think if the over is going to hit. It's going to be because they're chasing in the second half. But I think they start out a little bit slow. And San Fran always starts out a little bit slow. So, uh, but how do you see the game unfolding? I do like the 49ers in this spot, which is terrible because I'm in Texas surrounded by nothing but Cowboys fans. So it's going to be the cheese stands alone type of situation. I know that a lot of people are talking about the 49ers ground game against the Dallas rushing defense, but I do want to talk about Jimmy Garoppolo. Like he's, this is a team known for running, but he has been really good in passing the ball. He actually led the NFL in yards per passing play over their opponent. And San Francisco also led the 
big key here is San Francisco also leads the NFL in red zone conversion rate. So they are, when they are getting in the red zone, they're converting those into touchdowns and not just field goals, which is why I do also lend more to the over. But yes, it is going to be that ground game because you have Dallas who has played the second easiest schedule of rushing offenses now going up against one of the best rushing attacks in the league with a quarterback who can definitely sling it. I love the 49ers catching the points here and I lean to the over. She is Pam Maldonado on Yahoo Sports. Check out her work on Twitter. Amazing stuff. Thank you so much for the time this morning. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. All right, more to come. Wrapping things up here on Point Spread Saturday on VEASAN, the Sporting Sports Betting Network, coming up next. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is Point Spread Saturday on VSEN, the Sports Betting Network. If you missed any part of our show or anything on the VSEN schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast. Catch all the replays of our shows or download and listen on your schedule. Go to VSEN.com slash podcast and get Beating the Book with Gil Alexander or Market Insights with Josh Applebaum. Plus, we've got Hardwood Handicappers, Lombardi Line, Follow the Money, My Guys in the Desert, Coast to Coast Hoops, and many more. They're all free and available now at vcin.com slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in to Point Spread Saturday. I'm Mark Zinno as we wrap things up here, getting you set for Wild Card Weekend. We'll go over a list of all my plays for this weekend, including uh, the NCAA basketball slate that I have plays on as well. But let's start in the NFL. Uh, again, uh, no play for me on the, the, the Raiders-Cincinnati game. I love the arguments everybody's made for the Raiders, and I, I agree with them. I just I can't get to the window with it right now, uh, given the emotion that the Raiders have spent, the fact that they turn the ball over at a very high rate, um, and, and it's a mixed bag of results from this Raiders team. You know, Again, they win a stretch of seven of eight games
I think everybody's handicap on what they saw, spot on. I don't disagree with it. It's just not enough for me to get to the window on. I am going to lay it with Buffalo. I'm going to lay the four and a half. Uh, and, you know, I was a little uncertain, but as I started doing the handicap for this game, I got more and more certain. It just, Matt Jones is not going to be in a good spot in Buffalo. He hasn't been the same quarterback for the last five weeks of the season, last six weeks of the season. He's only had a quarterback rating over 95 just once, and that was against Jacksonville in a 50 to 10 blowout win. Uh, and, his road splits are bad, um, and he's going on the road to a tough place to play. Uh, weather shouldn't be too much of a factor. It could be, but, uh, you know, I think the Patriots will try to run the ball regardless, and I don't think the Bills will get fooled again. You know, they got fooled that first matchup in Buffalo with the run game. I don't think they get fooled again. Uh, I don't think Sean McDermott is that bad of a coach where he could get out-schemed uh, again in a situation where uh, he's going to allow the same thing to happen. So uh, I'm going to lay it with Buffalo. It's more of a bet against Mac Jones than anything else and a bet against that offense. And I say it repeatedly. If you're telling me this is a neutral site game, I have, I, I have a hard time believing Buffalo is just a one and a half point favorite. I think they're closer to two and a half or three. Um, and so I think you're getting a little bit of value with a short line here. And some of that, I believe, honestly, is Belichick. And I believe, honestly, some of it is is the way betters are going to view that first matchup. Like, hey, the, the, the Patriots can beat this team. They can hang in there. That game was an anomaly, and you should treat it as such because we never see an NFL game where a quarterback only throws three passes. It's just not common. It just doesn't happen. So I can't put that in any sort of statistical category where it belongs. And so I have to discard it as the outlier and not the norm. And I think the norm for these two teams is a game that they played in New England where Buffalo won 33 to 21. Uh, and I think the game mirrors that a little bit more. So I'm going to lay the points with Buffalo. As our previous guest, Pam Maldonado, uh, who just joined us from Yahoo Sports, agrees with me. Um, and I agree with her. Eagles plus eight and a half is the right side here. Uh, I, I think game script wise, Tampa Bay will get a lead. I think the back door is wide open in this thing. Um, but it's one of those spots where. All you need is an early touchdown, an early lead in Philadelphia, and you just get so much momentum to cover this number because uh, you're asking to, to, to come up with three scores to to take a lead uh, and and be on the right side of the cover. So if they go up seven and you, you know, you're at 15 and a half, it's just a ton for a team to do, um, especially in a relatively short amount of time. Three quarters or three scores doesn't seem like a lot, but it can be because the other team gets a say in the matter. So I do like Philadelphia in this spot. Um, the game that they played earlier in the year, was a lot closer um, or, or should have even been closer than the six points that it was. But Philadelphia walked through the back door with the last minute touchdown and a two point conversion to get it to six. And so uh, they'll be able to keep it close again. I think they'll be able to run with some measures of success. Tampa Bay's run defense is really good, but still uh, as long as Jalen hurts, doesn't make a ton of mistakes in this game. Um, I think this game is more geared to the run. I think it may be a little bit more low scoring. I know the total is at 49. Last time these two teams got to 50 again, 28 to 22, uh, I would lean on the under, though. And if the under comes in, I think it favors Philadelphia a heck of a lot more. Uh, Dallas and San Fran, the only feel I have for this game, I think it's a really tough game to handicap. Um, and you look at the total, and I look at the first half under at 24 and a half because I think these teams will both start out a little bit conservative. I think they'll both, if the pace comes out where Dallas scores quick and San Fran is asked to respond, um, it's a real test for San Francisco. Look what happened to them against the Rams. They got down 14 nothing, and they didn't really get a chance to respond until the third quarter. Uh, and sometimes that's what it sort of takes because I do know Kyle Shanahan. I covered him here in Atlanta while he was here. He kind of sticks to his game plan for as long as he can before he has to pivot. 
Uh, so he'll run the same game plan through the first half, even if he's not having a ton of success with it, uh, because he trusts his game plan that much and he'll make adjustments at halftime. It's exactly what happened last week against the Rams. He ran the same thing, and then all of a sudden he decided to pivot uh, and, and go heavy on the run in the second half, and it worked right in his favor, and they were able to come back, tie the game. So, again, uh, I don't really have a great feel for the side, but I do think they'll be a little bit conservative in the first half. Uh, it's it, It'll be a play for me, a small play on the first half under at 24 and a half. Pittsburgh and Kansas City, uh, the Saturday night game. Uh, I'm not going to overthink this. Think long, think wrong. Kansas City is the better team uh, by a large margin. Uh, the Steelers don't belong in the playoffs. They know that. The rest of the world knows that. I'm going to lay the 12 and a half. Of all the playoff teams, the Steelers are last in points per game. They're last in rushing yards, and they're second to last in passing yards. This is not an offense that is going to score. It boils down to simple math for me. Can the Steelers get past 17? For me, the answer is no. Uh, can the Chiefs get to 30? For me, the answer is yes. 30 to 17 gets me a cover, and I think that's the high side of what the Steelers can score. Remember, again, they only scored 16 points last week against the most banged-up defense in the league in the Baltimore Ravens, and they needed overtime to do it. Only two times in the last seven games of the regular season did the Steelers break 20. Once was against Minnesota when they were down 29-0 in the third quarter, and it was all garbage time points where they got to 28. They scored three touchdowns in the fourth quarter in that game and 26 to 14 over Cleveland in Ben Roethlisberger's last home game, an incredibly emotional game, one where his defense helped him out a lot and was able to uh, put him in advantageous situations to score points. So I don't trust the Steelers to get past 17. If they get to 20 in this thing, it's because Kansas City made a ton of mistakes. And even if they get to 20, I could still feel comfortable that Kansas City can get to 35. They did it last time against them. Again, it was a huge blowout. They were up, I think, 30-3 at the end of the third quarter. So I don't have a lot of reservations about the Chiefs being able to get into the 30s. It's how much will the defense allow the Steelers to score. I just don't think the Steelers' offense is competent enough to score at a high level where uh, they can get this thing into the 20s. Finally, Arizona and the Rams uh, on Monday night. Again, looking a little bit down the road, haven't made a wager yet, but I probably will get to the window on the over, especially if this number stays under 51. Both the previous meetings between these two teams cleared 50 easily, uh, and I expect that points will be scored. No play on the side for me. I lean Arizona, but I have a really hard time trusting Cliff Kingsbury. Coaching matters so much in the NFL playoffs, and one bad in-game decision can, can throw a game completely out of whack, and I just don't trust Cliff Kingsbury. I think he's a bad in-game manager. I think he makes terrible decisions at times um, that leave me scratching my head. And he's continually bailed out by Kyler Murray. But this is also a Cardinals offense that isn't 100%. They're missing DeAndre Hopkins still. Uh, questions in the wide receiver core. Their run game has been a little bit better, especially since Chase Edmonds has come back. Um, and they do average around 122 yards a game on the ground. That's considerably more than the Rams do. So they can control this thing a little bit. But the real question is, is how much will the Rams passing offense be able to get on a Cardinals pass defense, that's really good. Um, I still think there'll, there'll be 25 points by each team scored in this game. I'm going to play the over. Again, I'm going to wait to get to the window until Monday. See how the betting market shakes out. Um, but I do think the over is to play in this spot with a little bit of a lean on Arizona for me. All right, then I'll switch to the hardwood uh, in the college ranks today with a couple plays for me. Baylor and OK State, no play in that game. I think it's one of the better games uh, with the number one team in the nation. Uh, Oklahoma State going through a real rough stretch right now. It's just hard for me to lay the 14 points in this spot, so I won't do it because I believe it can get backdoor, especially if Baylor lets that foot off the gas pedal in the second half when they have a big lead. Uh, Texas Tech and K-State, Texas Tech Red Raiders, minus four, one of my favorite plays today. Um, 
I personally have already bet on them. Uh, this is a K-State team that's 0-4 in conference play. They've only had 62 points a game in Big 12 play, shooting just 38%. Texas Tech has got one of the best defenses in the nation, one of the best field goal percentage defensive teams in America. They should be able to suffocate a K-State offense that isn't all that potent and easily cover a short number at four. So I'm going to lay it with Texas Tech um, and, and continue this sort of Red Raiders run that I've been on as of late. Texas, Iowa State, uh, a contrarian over here. Very low total, a depressed total at 120 and a half. Both of these teams very good on defense, but they all both average 70 points per game. If you're asking me to get both these teams in the 60s in this game, I believe that they can do it, get to 61 each, and and uh, and you got yourself a cover on the over. So low total, depressed total. I'll play the over, and then Tennessee and Kentucky. Uh, I'm going to play another over here at 142 and a half. Uh, Kentucky has only scored less than 80 in three of their victories this year. I that Tennessee can hold them less than 80, but they won't keep them less than 70. Tennessee will do their job to get to 71, and I get an over 142 and a half in that contest. That'll for me here on Point Spread Saturday. Wishing you guys the best of luck through all your bets. Make sure you keep it tuned right here to VSIN for all of your sports betting needs going forward. Wild Card Weekend. More. I'm Mark Zeno. Thanks so much for joining me and watching and listening here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time and range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.